The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Tear? Sarah Jane? Welcome to the Doctor Who pod, proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. I am Sai, and joining me as always to battle some extra large creepy crawlers is Mr. Dan Griffin. How are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. I've got an abundance of rolled up newspapers ready to bite off the nasties this week. Um, <laughs> it's it's a little bit odd. We're recording at uh, a different time than usual. Like I keep thinking it's yeah. a Sunday, but we're actually midweek. Um, and above all else... Star Beast is Ed. Oh, yes. Do you know what's weird? Uh, we do a Doctor Who podcast, and I completely forgot that we might talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it says more about you, really, than anything uh, yeah, else. Uh, um, yeah, no, of all things. We've got, we've got like a six or seven parter to dive into now. So, very briefly, what are your thoughts now you've seen it? I've watched it twice, very much liked it. Um, it's not the best episode ever, but it's a mm-hmm. good bloody start to this three-parter. It's obviously building to something big. Um, I love the twist with the meep. I thought that was brilliant because, like you said in, in, a, in a group chat, I was convinced that was going to be merchandised out of the ass. Yeah, like little teddy bears really and plush dolls and all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, ne- nearly cried just at the mention of Wilf and, and um, the Doctor thinking that, he, that Wilf was dead. Yeah. Um, like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I watched it hungover. I was like, oh, I'm too fragile for this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very much liked it. There were a couple of bits, a couple of storyline bits that felt maybe a bit bit of a cop out, but they were necessary. So, mm. you know, I'll, I'll let it slide out of it. But I actually quite liked it, even despite the obviously much bigger budget, that the, um, the Rolf Warriors still looked a little bit now. Yeah. They did, didn't they? <laughs> but in a, in a really good, I mean that in a really good way. Yeah, yeah, totally. How about you? Uh, what I, you I, it? Well, I was the same as you. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was just great having Doctor Who back on the TV. It's the first time I've sat and watched Doctor Who live as it airs, I guess, with Charlie after her going back yeah. through all of the stuff we've watched. So that was that was lovely. Um, negatives, I guess, if I have to pick any. I feel like you. there was a couple of moments in the story that was a bit of a cop-out. The whole Donna and her daughter being able to just to let it go with the bad thing that could potentially kill Donna if she remembers the Doctor feels like a bit of a cop-out. It feels like that was a bit lazy, but I appreciate for them to have the next two episodes, which apparently are going to be quite big and grandiose and, and so on. They need that out of the way, so mm. it needs to be done. Well, I, done I, suppose the way that, I suppose the way they get around that is, is you know, it's taken two minds 
as intelligent as the doctor to figure out that the oh wait, hang on. I can do this. Yeah. After it's already been spread across two minds, so there's ways to rationalise it. But first sight, yeah, you know, yeah. I was I was like you, you know, <laughs> it felt a bit of a cop out, but like I say, necessary storytelling. And well, this is it. I mean, the, the rest the of it is so special. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I loved it. And, and Charlie and Sharon, my wife, watched it, and she was very emotional. They were they were both very emotional throughout it as well. Um, the next episode, from what you're reading online, is going to be pretty spectacular. And of course, the final episode is is the, the Celestial Toymaker returning, which is oh. going to be a big deal, and so on as well. So I think I think you're right, Dan. When you well, I hope you're right when they we say that the little shortcomings in this first episode were necessary boxes to be ticked. To be able to move on to what we're getting into in later weeks, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And from what I've seen in an interview with Russell T. Davis, this next coming episode is meant to be more leaning into horror. Yeah, which is right in my wheelhouse. Mm. So I can't yeah. wait for that. And then yeah. seeing the Celestial Toy Maker back in the 60th oh. anniversary, fifty odd years after the after Michael Goff that we covered last season in, in a wonderful bit of luck and timing. Mm. oh yeah totally well we, we meant it that way um <laughs> nothing happens intentionally on this show no it does not it does not but anyway that is doctor who of 2023 we need to be talking doctor who of 1974 uh the 4th of may 1974 the first episode was aired originally uh six parter entitled planet of the spiders I uh, this is going to be quite interesting getting your opinions on this because there's a lot of wobbly old BBC seventies TV on here, isn't there? And there's, yeah, there is. And there's it, it, with a lot of classic Who six parters, it feels as well like almost like two stories get lumped together to fill out the six parter. So I'm intrigued mm. as to how we go with regards to us uh, talking through this story to, you know, your thoughts in, in itself. There's also some really weird shit. Let's just cut to the chase about it. There's some bloody odd moments, but you look back on and you think, what was that all about? And, and the beginning um, is like that. Sorry. And there's one particular thing that hasn't aged too well. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> oh dear me uh, that's going to be a minefield for me to try and make it navigate isn't it um, <laughs> shall I just get Sharon up here now and ask her what am I allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say because she's quite good at censoring me <laughs> might be the best <laughs> <laughs> no that word's out of date sorry no you can't say that um, <laughs> uh, yes the well first of all the intro to the later season here of, of John Pertwee's run I think looks fantastic with yes. the, the stars or lights flashing by the the tunnel as we get sometimes, and then Pertwee's shape himself turning into the Doctor Who logo as opposed to just the face and so on. I thought that looked great. I think that's the first time we've seen that as well, Dan, isn't it? Uh, potentially, yeah. I'll be honest, I can't really remember it that well. Mm. Um, no, I, I may have seen it in something that, uh, in an episode or something that I've just watched, um, you know, by chance. Uh, I can't in good conscience remember. Mm. But I liked it still. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought it really good, really good. Um, it's definitely the first time we've... I'm sure it's definitely the first time that we've seen Yates on this show. Who was right, just yes. taking a in the park to kick yeah. off the episode. And I did... Um, there's that infamous clip of um, Queen Elizabeth II getting irrationally excited at a livestock show about cows. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, no, I haven't, but go on. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. It was like taking a, taking a stroll in the park. And I just, oh, cows! Yeah, <laughs> so I just thought of that <laughs> clip immediately. 
<laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. One of the, the, the weird beginning of the show um, is well, we've got the, the main characters sort of all coming together for the purpose of the story. Um, Mike Yates, we see, first of all, ex-unit soldier, and he is out for a walk looking at cows. And you're there just thinking, well, that was fucking weird, but okay, we see Yates, fair enough. Dreaming about cheeseburgers. Yeah, there we go. Uh, the Doctor and the Brigadier are taking in a show with a shit comedian. Um, the person they're there to see, who is some kind of performing professor with regards to mind reading and so on, and some kind of Turkish stripper that the Brigadier seems very, very happy to be witnessing, <laughs> which, which tickled me. I enjoyed that, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sat there trying to be all, um, all like, proper and, and, you know, very military, and then he's... Yeah, this sort of the bells jangle, and he's just see his eyebrows raising. Hmm. He sits up a little bit in his chair, doesn't he? <laughs> the moustache twitches just slightly. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we also then see, uh, I suppose, a gang of the worst or least likely looking blokes to get involved in some kind of Tibetan monk seance that ever were they look completely out of place but they're all sat around the floor going om 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 and all that sort of nonsense there um whilst mike yates is having a bit of a spy on them isn't he yeah yeah he's gone from strolling in a park looking at uh, strolling around the country looking at cows to spying on some sort of ritual slash meditation and, and it's one of those where they've laid out instantly that We've got two very, very separate stories, and these are going to have to be drawn together. Mm. Um, the the shit joke, uh, the shit comedian tells the joke about Archimedes jumping out of the bath, he's naked, yelling, "I'm a streaker!" instead of Eureka. Yes, that got a, yeah. that got suitably got a groan, um, and with the such, excuse me, all the chanting and the uh, and, and the you know the meditation, it just made me think of uh, a scene from The Mighty Boosh where they sat around singing about a chosen one. Um, because I couldn't get, yeah, I didn't think you would have done so. I'm not going to go too far into it. Um, but it just it kind of took me out of the moment because my brain just went, We're watching this, but remember this from 2008. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, as they're doing this weird seance thing of me, uh, there is a blue glow, a mic runs off, but we cut back Did then to the the magician don't we the the the, the sort of mm. psychic professor because he's back at unit now with the doctor and the brigadier and i mean first of all he's wearing possibly the biggest bow tie i've seen in my life if you could throw this guy from the top of a building and he could hang glide with that fucker that is a massive tie and bow ties uh, are cool though well yes of course but this one was exceptionally large and the doc the doctor's questioning the guy about his act and he says he's a fake and then the doctor proves that he's not a fake, and then the guy makes a tea tray float across the room. So it's all a yeah. bit what's going on here kind of situation, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Again, it's it's we've got two stories going in very different directions, seemingly. But did you notice when Clegg was spying? Uh, sorry, not Clegg. When Yates was spying on the uh, on this little meditation session, they had a very lingering shot of a cobweb um, across his face. Oh. Someone thought they were being very clever with that with oh, it being called Planet yeah. of the Spiders. <laughs> they thought it was going to be really subtle, didn't they? About as subtle as a fucking sledgehammer. And <laughs> yeah, just a wee bit. Yeah, but yeah, Clegg's, Clegg, he's there, he's making trays float, but he can't hold it. And he's, you know, the doctor hooks him up to all sorts of machines. 
um, you know, to, to amplify and test his powers and whatnot. It is it, both stories do enough to keep you interested. I think in this yeah. first part, because yeah. while that's all happening as well, we're, we're switching back to Yates. Sorry, not to Yates to the, uh, the to the men in the uh, in the the Tibetan retreat. Saying there's a female journalist coming in, and the you know Yates has run off in the car. He's the only one with a car, so he must be spying. So the suspicions building and and all of this, and Yates is picking up the journalist, and and it's Sarah Jane. It is. It is indeed. Mike's picking her up and uh, basically says that he can't contact Unit about the weird goings on because you know he's a little he's, he left there a, in a little bit of a cloud. Uh, so we thought mm. Sarah could report in her magazine about what is going on here. Um, in the meantime, we have met uh, a guy called oh my goodness, what was his name? Lupton. We met Lupton yeah. for the first time. Who is just like obviously. Off. Oh, the soonest you look at him, you think, you're going to be a bad dude. We know this. You're going to be a bad guy. <laughs> you look like a 1970s bad guy. Uh, he is talking to a weird monk fella, which is hanging around the monastery, big house, whatever it may well be. Yes. Sure and, mm, It's it's, um, uh, Mickey, it's Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's, but not as bad. This is mm. where you tell me you haven't seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, I haven't. It's it's a white guy pretending to be Asian. Yes, it is indeed. It's and not it very. It's not good, is it? It's not. He's, he's putting on an accent. Yeah, and he's. And um, all this is happening while also the um, the blokes who, who are living or, or staying at this retreat are, are bullying Tommy, who's obviously got some sort of learning difficulties. Yeah, and they treat him like shit and abuse him. Uh, which yeah, I like Tommy, which, which at least has a payoff later on. Yeah, it does. Kind of, sort it, of, yeah, it, it still, it hits wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it and again, I suppose in 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 modern day, with with the variety of talent available now, you wouldn't necessarily have someone who was more able-bodied, able-minded, or, or didn't have any, shall we say, learning issues and so on, playing that role. Somebody who would, you know, they wouldn't have somebody pretending to be like that to yeah. play that role. You wouldn't have somebody pretending to be Asian because you would have an Asian actor. It's just yeah. a real sign of the times, but it's yeah. fucking horrific, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. And you know, the way Tommy's treated and, and the, you know, the do go some to to put forward that he's he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not going to go trying to you know try and diagnose him with whatever because I'm I'm not a fucking doctor. Um, but like I said, at least in that part, Tommy gets a revenge. He gets his he gets to stand up for himself later on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, yeah. A, that's a small bit of rest. But yeah, the the, the Chilji stuff. It's I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious time, and it's. <sighs> It's changed the colour of his skin. Yeah. And uh, you can tell he's got prosthetics as well. Yeah. Like little prosthetics to change to change his face. And it, oh, mm. You wait till we review that um, Tom Baker story that keeps popping up in conversations on the podcast. Talents of something. Yeah. Like yeah, that's going to be... It's it's something else, mate. It really is. But we'll get to we that. Might, we, we, we might have to just set that aside for our final episode. Well, because we say something wrong, you get cancelled. 
<laughs> not intentionally, <laughs> really, obviously. I, I really, I really don't. If it's that bad, I kind of don't want to watch it. But I know yeah. I have. No, to. that was a brilliant story. Absolutely fantastic story. It's one of my favourite Doctor Who stories. It's just, right. yeah, it's just going to be difficult to manoeuvre around. Anyway, yeah. Uh, um, we've met Tommy as as you said. Uh, the the seance is going on again. And Mike is bringing Sarah to the house to investigate. And that's when we see the ghost tractor. Because ghost this thing tractor. just appears. Ghost tractor. This thing just appears and yeah. almost makes them crash and die, apparently, according to uh, Mike and Sarah in a conversation later on. I'm thinking, ghost tractor right. was a 90s TV show, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to see if you'd fall for it. <laughs> oh, okay. I've not seen that. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, um, Whilst that is going on, we jump back again to unit and the doctor is using a machine to sort of analyze or read the mind of the, the psychic professor to see what's going on. Did, did you clock, uh, did you clock what the machine was called? No, it's an encephalograph and the doctor's using it to measure, uh, professor Clegg's psychology. So it gives Brigadier, Brigadier gives him a watch and he holds it and just through psychic powers surmises that the, it was given to the brigadier 11 years ago in a hotel in brighton from doris to mark her gratitude and that's when the brigadier snatches it away from him and it's like i think his wife ends up i think his wife's called doris maybe ah fair so enough. maybe it ends he up showed her, he showed her a bloody lovely night in brighton then he did. He did. There's a lot to do in volume, apparently. But yeah, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm incorrect about that, let us know on 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 the socials, people. That if I'm incorrect, but I'm fairly certain the, the brigadier's wife is called Doris. But Doris sounds like a brigadier's wife's name. Yeah, my nan's called Doris. But anyway, is she a brigadier's um, wife? Uh, no, no. Well, no. My granddad was in the navy, but he wasn't a brigadier. All right. Uh, there we Still, go. Little, uh, little sidetrack there. <laughs> 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 um, I think like this next bit when he brings in the uh, the iris machine, and we see uh, we see the clip of uh, the clips of Carnival of Monsters when uh, Clegg's giving his screwdriver and it's translating his thoughts into pictures. Yeah, that's that's clever. That's very clever. And you know, we all, oh we also get a little bit blast from the past again after that with a package arriving, and it's from Joe. I love touches like that. Yes, I wondered where I did wonder where that had come from. Yeah, it was from Joe Grant apparently, and she was telling everyone about the wonderful time she's having in South America, and she needs to get rid of this stone, this gem, because it's bringing her bad luck, and apparently it's cursed and all that sort of stuff. So what she's done is sent it to the doctor, which is brilliant news. Well done, Joe. Why don't you just you know chuck it in a river or something? Well, the doctor will figure it out. Yeah, but the fact that she she doesn't just send it to the doctor. He sends it to the doctor, the brigadier, Sergeant Benton, or Captain Yates. Yeah. So as long as one of your fuckers has it, and I don't. Yeah, I fine. don't have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this uh, is all while on the other story, Sarah Jane's been given a tour of the um, uh, of the sort of monastery setup. Yes. And we're getting, a, we're finding out that that Choji speaks in. Well, I suppose for most people speaks in riddles, but really he's just trying to explain the uh, the whole point of the meditation and you know finding one's true self and, and all the rest of it. But we do get the warning that certain power the powers could be used by certain men for evil. Mm, very ominous. Oh dear me, oh dear me. Uh 
the psychic professor dude is given the blue stone to hold. And what well, we find out it's a blue gemstone, a crystal from Metabilis 3. There you go, Metabilis, which is a, a planet that keeps popping up through John Pertwee's era, the name of that. I'm sick of hearing about it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, this starts effectively frying the guy's mind. He goes on to die. <laughs> it's like okay, cheer, thanks for coming, mate. <laughs> you know he's 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 a goner. Uh, the doctor decides to effectively press rewind on the tape to see what he was, you know, thinking, what was in his mind um, just before he passed away. And there's just pictures of bloody massive spiders. And then that's yeah. happening. A massive spider arrives at the bloody seance. Good luck for anybody with arachnophobia. Mm. Um, not the cereal for you, let's say. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's all a bit of a weird one. Um, and all the while we have yeah, there's another summoning started. There we've got Yates and and Sarah being intimidated by Lupton, but they've pretended to leave and they're going back on foot and, and all the oh, rest yes. of it. Yes. The Sarah bribes Tommy by giving her by giving him her brooch because he, he likes basically anything he, he thinks is you know pretty he takes and adds to his collection. Mm-hmm. And was it just me? Are we Yates and Sarah having a little flirt? Yeah, I think so. But it, ne- it never it never plays out. No, not no, in this, no, this not is this the anyway. this is the last time we see Yates. I think. All right. I mean, he might pop up. Uh, like in one of the specials, like the Five Doctors or or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> I think that's the last time we see him. So uh, if people heard me laughing, then Dan just made a sign on the camera. As I said, Yates popped up that insinuated he had a boner. But there we go. <laughs> Yates, not Dan, obviously. Um, <laughs> oh, dear me. But that's your Might cliffhanger. That's the well, <laughs> that's your cliffhanger for the end of part one, isn't it? The spiders are yeah. arriving. Big scary spider, um, mm. and, 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 and a dead, and, and a, a dead psychic. Yeah, got to admit, not the best cliffhanger in the world. Not certainly not as well. good as the ones last week, but it's, mm. the, the whole episode's done enough to keep me interested at this point. Yeah, not not the best in the way of cliffhangers is kind of a theme that pops up a few times throughout this serial, I think. But not not to put my cards on the table too too early, but. So is the theme of the episode doing enough, doing enough to keep me engaged and keep me interested. It might yes. not end on a on a massive, you know, massive bit of danger or peril or anything like that. But I'm, I was still, I still found myself going, okay, what next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, part two begins with a big spider talking to Lupton, and he basically is easily very easily convinced that this spider can give him all the power he wants. Uh, apparently Lepton is very bitter and upset because he got laid off from a job that he had and he was there for a very long time and he wants revenge on them, which then escalates to revenge on the whole world. And he's basically lost the plot a little bit. and He's very angry at his circumstances, which apparently is enough to have a giant alien spider jump on your back, possess you. Lupton, Lupton, mate. The wife left you because you're a dickhead. She's <laughs> never coming back and she's never bringing the kids back. Get over it. Yeah, <laughs> leave the spider alone. Move it's, on. But, but this is after we find out that the spiders have electric, like, Emperor Palpatine powers and can zap people. Mm. And it does a few comedy squats before launching itself onto Lupton's back and going invisible. Yeah, that was something I was going to ask you about. 
the spiders themselves, uh, we see a, a great deal of them later on when they're in their their council room, I guess, for mm-hmm. want of a better phrase. And they are obviously only hinged in certain places, and they have a little stick or a cord attached mm-hmm. to their arses, which is moved back and forth to literally make them move back and forth. Again, it's 1974. There's not a lot of money flying about for the for the Doctor Who program on the BBC. What are your thoughts on that in general? I've said multiple times on this show that I am a fan of like B horror movies, which comes with a lot of ropey effects, particularly from the eighties and, and and whatnot. Okay, these spiders to me toed the line between ridiculously crap veering into entertainment. Right. Okay. The the general sort of naffness of how they look made it funny, made, like made it entertaining to me. Mm. And, you know, there are people out there who will be shit scared them because they're giant spiders and, you know, like I say, good look arachnophobes. Um, yeah, but yeah, they, they were a bit crap, but it just, I just, it kind of made it more endearing to me. I don't know what it is about this Pertwee era. But, you know, like, like we said, Cannibal of Monsters, I can't remember what those monsters were called, but um, the ones that were burrowing through everything and, and doing all that, yes. they, looked a, they looked a bit shit. Yeah. But it was still quite. They managed to do in this era. They're managing to do that, but still be endearing. Yeah, no, I get you. So yeah, I mean, it, I can I can easily see why somebody wouldn't like it though. Right. It is. It's it's a stretch to say that they did what they could for the budget. Mm. Even on a low budget, you can do better than that. Yeah, I'd have thought so. I'd have thought. I mean, pipe cleaners were invented by then, weren't they? You could, you know. Well, Well, that's very true. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Before then, they were one use and gone. They block up, and then everyone would be like, "Well, fuck it, back to the pipe shop." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eat some more corn. I need the cobs for a new pipe. <laughs> uh, the the spiders themselves. Charlie came in a couple of times when I was watching it, and she saw them. Uh, it, like individually, I guess you'll see the one spider individually jumping on someone's back, and then the, the the sort of whispery, creepy voice and all that sort of stuff. And she's like, "Oh, that's a bit horrible. I'm not sure about that because Charlie doesn't like spiders." Mm. But then she also came in and saw them all sat in the room later on that we'll get to, and they were all moving around and wobbling. And she said, "They're not scary now; they're just funny." So that's yeah. a little insight into to her mind. I know people, you know, are curious and as to what Charlie thinks about these classic episodes. So there we go. Um, the the spider is basically promising Lupton all these, you know, the power he wants and all this sort of stuff. Um, in exchange for the crystal, which it knows is on yeah. Earth, it wants the crystal. We don't know quite why yet, but the spider wants the crystal. So that's the gist of what Lupton's motivation is i guess in the next you know few episodes mm-hmm. um we get the brigadier on the phone back at unit on the phone to somebody called sullivan who is um a medical officer at unit so that's obviously harry sullivan who we meet in a later series and he is being summoned for help because the doctor is in a weird trance like thing trying to figure out this crystal but uh, he wakes we've, up we've, we've missed a bit yeah we've missed a bit. okay because um, it, it was that we've, we've skipped out Clegg's death, and then the doctor looks into the crystal himself. It, it, Benton, what a gent, offers to look into it himself because he's the expendable one in the room. Yeah, Benton's great. What's his words. Love Benton. Yeah, Benton's a bit um, of a legend. 
Yeah, but yeah, I did like that when the uh, Brigadier's obviously shitting his pants a bit because the Doctor's in some sort of trance and he, <laughs> he's brought out of it when Benson offers him a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts talking about um oh the, the, you know well thank you for the coffee and Benton explains well the way it's made is with the water this certain time so try, try and give the specifics as to how he gets the coffee so good and mm. the brigadier in a typical brigadier situation just goes oh shut up about the dratted coffee <laughs> <laughs> I love how this coffee gets over the smallest thing it's amazing it's because I feel like I feel like the doctor was pretending to be in a trance until Benton got the coffee right. <laughs> That does sound like a doctor thing to do, just to piss the brigadier off, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. But it turns out in the crystal, he's been seeing the face of his old mentor, um, an old hermit who used to live on a mountain and taught him to look into his mind. Yes. Mm, Yes, I'm not sure about all that stuff, but never mind. Um, (laughs) Whilst this is going on, Lapton's at unit now. Yeah, he's got that. So Yates and Sarah have snuck out. Um, Lupton is symbiotically bonded with the uh, with the spider who can speak to him in his mind and, and tell him all sorts of stuff and and whatnot. And yeah, he's at unit and he's asked for the way to the um, uh, to, way to see the doctor. And the soldier he speaks to is none other than our favourite Pat Gorman. Oh, amazing! I didn't even notice. That's fantastic. I sigh at you in judgment, sigh. Yeah. I deserve it. I deserve it. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, he had a speaking role for once as well. He wasn't tucked away in a costume or yeah. a Dalek or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he got killed. but He did. He got zapped, didn't he? He got a couple of lines. Yeah. The zapping then that was spider-based, but is now going to be human-based or person-based for the next couple of episodes. That's very 1970s sci-fi as well, isn't it? Because the guys throw their fingers out and there's a pause before the effect hits and then it cuts to the victim and they react almost too slowly because obviously they're trying to stage it to add the effect on afterwards. It's very 70s sci-fi, isn't it? Very much so, to the point that it was made sort of... It hit the pipes of sci-fi in Star Wars. I mentioned Mm. earlier about Emperor Palpatine. He was the big sort of electric fingers guy when the return of the jedi came out i can't remember exactly what year um so i know the i know the first one the somewhere around then yeah because the first one came out in 77 which is only three years after this episode uh yeah it's 83 bloody hell si well done uh, there you go it's the year my sister was born that's the only way i remember it um <laughs> Yeah, I, I meant more the uh, the production, I suppose, the effect itself of the the, the zapping, yeah. uh, you know, because the it cuts to um, well in this episode actually it cuts to the guy by the boat, which we'll come to very soon, and he sort of he's getting shot at. When it cuts to him, he's not hit yet, and he sort of goes with his face, looks a bit surprised, <laughs> and then he's hit, and then he falls down and dies. It's almost like. It's in stages because that's the only way they could piece it together back then, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is one where they are doing the best with what they've got for the money. Yes. Um, and apparently yes. you couldn't see that then when Sai said about do something with his face, Sai made a face like he was trying to catch a little Easter egg in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the guy did. That's what the guy did. Um, Lepton, he's going about zapping people now and he's in the car park and, and all this sort of stuff. And he's... Uh, mm. He sees the crystal, 
And he effectively, because he, you know, he's in the building at this stage, so he, see, he sees the crystal. And whilst everyone's having a chat, Sarah Jane's looking at it going, well, this is a really pretty bit of stone in it. I, like, I quite like this. And um, Lepton does a weird spidery thing, and the crystal disappears from where they are and appears in his hand, which yeah, it's a bit convenient, isn't it, for what, what we're doing? It, it needed to happen because these episodes are only so many minutes long, and we've got to fit in a fucking thirteen-minute chase scene in a moment. So I appreciate <laughs> we've got to cut certain things out, but it did feel a little bit like, okay, fair enough. Well, the thing is, we're still learning what these spider powers are. Obviously, they've got some form of teleporting ability under the right circumstances, because that's how the spider got there in the first place. So, yeah, it is a bit convenient, but I'll give it a pass. And it they don't just leave it with that, thankfully. You know, we do have a bit of teleporting at the end of the chase scene. Um, we do. But it looks, it looks like an effort to do, mm. if that makes sense. It looks like it's a finite power. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we, we then get the beginning of what is effectively, I would assume, uh, John Pertwee's wet dream because Pertwee gets to use all the equipment and the vehicles he wants. It's almost like they've said to him, it's your last story, John. What do you want to do? And he's like, you know what? I want to drive everything we've got and just rag about the place for a bit in all the, all the I want to fly. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, and just, it just, it's, it's, you know, from what I know about Pertwee and whatever people say about Pertwee in interviews, this must be all him. I'm assuming. Ground seeing air, isn't it? All the way. Um, Lupton's exiting with the crystal. He twats Benton on his way out, which is a dick move. Yeah. Um, oh, the brigadier. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets he just gets told the brigadier's walking across the car park, not knowing what's going on. And and Lupton's just walked out and he's this is a brigadier. This is just a civilian in the car park. He doesn't know the, what the hell's going on. And you get a shout of, sir, stop him. So the brigadier's first idea, his first step in the process of stopping this random civilian in the car park is to start shooting at him. Luckily, the brigadier's <laughs> got the aim of a stormtrooper, a pissed stormtrooper. Yeah. Different styles. He is terrible. It just seemed like he went from zero to 100 in the blink of an eye. There must be other steps in that process, you know, rather than just, oh, I'm just going to gun the guy down. He was aiming for his kneecap. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a, you know, a deadly wound. Well, if he's aiming for his kneecap, he's lucky he didn't shoot him in the face, isn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> the aim he's got, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, um, the thing is, this is this. I, I, the chase scene, I don't mind. It was a bit of yeah. fun. It's somewhat yeah. a bit different, and they did switch it up. It got to the point of Benny Hill at one point. Mm. You know, where, where I just imagined. But when it starts off, and then. Uh, Lupton's nicked that sort of hovercraft sci-fi looking car thing and then uh, the chasing along him, you know, behind him, Betty. The silver that's one. pretty mean. good. Yeah, the silver the silver circular thing. Yeah, that's the Humobile. Is it? Yeah, John. that's John Pertwee's car. I've never seen it. Yeah, no, no, but this is this is when it comes into the show. But that's that's John Pertwee's car. He um he went out and bought that himself with his own money. And apparently arrived at BBC Studios in it, went to the director, the producer, whoever, and said, oh, look out the window. That's my car. I want to use it in Doctor Who if we can. He literally went out and bought it. And that circular thing with, with who won on it? Yeah, the, the big silver thing that ended up flying. Yeah. yeah. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's his car. And it, the, way it, the way it worked out was apparently 
he would drive it around in real life because it was roadworthy. It was all certified and everything like that. And it was a, um, I think it was a three wheel, uh, two seater car underneath it. Makes sense. And yeah. It would all, it, again, it was all roadworthy. It was all absolutely fine to work on the road. And he would take great pleasure, apparently, in getting stopped by the police and being able to produce the papers and say, well, actually, actually, Mr. Policeman, I'm, I'm Doctor Who, and uh, this is my car, and fuck you, it's, it's perfectly roadworthy, and all that sort of stuff, you know? And, yeah, apparently that's, that's what it was. He turned up on a show with it. I don't know if it was like Blue Peter or Tomorrow's World or something like that, but there's there's that's footage awesome. of him out, there's footage of him out there as John Pertwee, not Doctor Who, arriving yeah. in this car and then talking people through the car he's bought. It's absolutely insane, isn't it? What I'm blown away by that. That's fantastic. I mean, again, like, genuinely brilliant. That's one of my favourite Doctor Who stories. It's 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 amazing, isn't it? It's genuinely his car. Yeah, it's so funny. And then he swaps it for a microlite. Yeah, and, and again, this is all getting very James Bond now, isn't it? Because you got, I suppose, what would be deemed very high tech for the time in the mm. in the, the silver humobile effort, a chase scene, and then if you have you ever seen You Only Live Twice? No. Oh, okay. Uh, effectively, Bond in, nine, I think that was made like 1967, 68, something like that. Bond effectively gets a hodel, a rucksack, with some metal bits in it, and it's a one-person helicopter that he builds himself to fly out somewhere. And Yeah, of course it is. And it, it looks like this helicopter that Pertwee is in, this little one-person helicopter. So I'm getting real strong James Bond vibes by this. And yeah. um, the, the chase scene is just, wonderfully ridiculous wonderfully stupid and just it's, it's speeding speeding past the copper ah oh. and then they've blatantly filmed it at one sort of junction in the road where there's a bit of grass so it goes into three different roads and the film just filmed it from different angles yeah um but the copper does it has to do a comedy reverse when he when they give him the slip by just by turning right <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the hoomobile bessie in a, the hoomobile bessie in a cop cap they finally end up on a, on an airstrip somewhere, you know, just a, just a massive patch of tarmac. The doctor, Lee, Lupton's run off. He's hid behind some wood just a few yards away. The doctor's left the keys in the microlite. So he's having a little argument with the copper, so Lupton then takes to the air. The doctor's following him in, in the hoomobile while Bessie's on the ground. It's, it's wonderfully ridiculous. And it's just the copper as well where he's, he tries to radio and he says, no, never mind. I'm coming in early. I'm going for a lie down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's just so silly. Oh, um, that was it. Sorry, it, sorry. Quick, just quickly. The glorious green screen. It's my oh, favourite part about all these episodes. The green yeah. screen effort, much like Inferno, but there's more of it. I, I absolutely adore it. It looks... It looks janky, but that's why I love it. When the Hoomobile takes off, you mean? Yeah, and when, it, when yeah. it's supposed to be in flight and all of that. I got um, the end of Greece vibes from that. When the car takes off at the end of Greece, it felt a little bit like that, but the Greece did it a bit better, you know? Nah, Doctor Who did it better. Greece is shit. Fair enough. Um Greece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. I regularly upset people by saying I think Grease 2 is better. I don't really think that, but it upsets people, so I like doing it. Um, <laughs> you, uh, um, they also run over a tramp at one point when the Doctor steals yeah. a hovercraft. When he's in hovercraft mode, uh, when he, yeah, when he's riding a hovercraft, that's uh, that would that would be unpleasant. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, the uh, did you clock it when uh, when Lupton's hijacking the boat that he has a bit of a scuffle with the with the guy who's pulled up. He chucks him in the water, then it it changes shot, and the guy's dry again, and then he punches him. Oh yeah, there's a bit of that mind going from dry to wet and so on. Because when you look at um, the shot of either Lupton or Piritwi almost more from the front. They're, they're they're dry and they're just right driving these vehicles. When you look at the shot from Piritwi over the shoulder, his hair is wet. And when you get the close up of Lupton from almost diagonally across from him, he's soaking yeah. wet as well. And it just keeps cutting back yeah. and forth, back and forth, back and forth, which is it's just glorious, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, it, it, like I say, it it rides that line where, where it's the, the the continuity, little continuity errors and things like that. They just somehow make it more endearing, and I don't know how, but it works. It really does. And shortly after we run over the guy, um, the, in fact, the doctor ran over the guy trying to get closer to Lupton on the boat. The spider says she'll get help from Metabilis. Lupton concentrates. The doctor jumps on board the boat, but Lupton's gone. Yeah, and that's your cliffhanger, isn't it? Which is a lot of intrigue. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, how's that happened? And, and when I sarcastically said earlier on, we've got to fit in a, a 13 minute chase scene. I said that's kind of tongue in cheek for, for, for being daft or whatever. It actually clocks in at 12 minutes, about 12 minutes, 30 seconds. It's roughly half the episode. I, I didn't mind that because it meant I didn't have to make a lot of notes. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, part three begins, and we are back at the monastery house thingamy. Um, Tommy lives under the stairs, it seems, like Harry Potter. Yeah, he's got a little setup there, hasn't he? It's, yeah. it's not like a little hideaway. I don't think he actually sleeps in there. Does he not? I got the vibe that was his bedroom. <laughs> if he is, that's fucking mean. And he lives really bad, but he's not very well treated, is he? Let's be honest. No, but he seems uh, to appear, just appear in the hallway. Mm. And it's, it's one of those yes. things where Tommy's the only witness to a lot of stuff that he can't then verbalise or, or necessarily put together right away. Yeah, it's, um, again, I suppose it's handy for the story and the way they develop certain things because they're not going to listen to Tommy. But at the same time, again, it's a little bit uncomfortable maybe because of the nature of the character. Yes. Yeah, it, it does It does very much feel that way on upon watching. But as I say, at least with Tommy... He gets some form of redemption's not the right word, mm. but he, he gets to he gets to fight back. Yeah, obviously, I think that's the best way to put it. He gets to he gets to make people answer for the way they've treated him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Good shame. I got there in the um, end. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, not a lot really goes on for a, a couple of episodes now really we get important yeah. moments and a lot of filler and um, we're about to go into part four in a few moments and there's a lot of filler in the openings of the, the episodes i mean part four for example features a very long recap of what just happened in part three so if you're watching seven in seven days time on the weekly shows on the saturday i suppose it catches you up but when you're watching it and you've already seen it, or you're watching it literally back to back, like like I did. You're thinking, I've literally like four minutes of television. They repeat, yeah, which takes a yeah. big old chunk out of, the, out of the show, doesn't it? When you think about it. 
Well, for this uh, for purposes of this show, it meant I didn't have to make as many notes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've gone back into my habit of writing more and fucking peace. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's 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 a strange thing. We've, we've had a lot of intrigue and a lot of build um, in the first two parts, and then certainly part three is getting people where they need to be, but also padding out and a bit more linking of the stories. Mm. So while not a lot happens, it is fleshing out of the characters in the world and, and kind of bringing some of the threads together a bit more. Yeah, so, yeah, it's fair enough. Although, yeah, although not a lot happened, I found there was enough to keep me interested. Even that seems though, to be a, a theme developing there, Dan. Yeah, sorry, I got distracted by a bike or something revving outside my house. Uh, don't they know I'm recording the ignorant bastards? Correct. <laughs> yeah, but we see um, really the main thing is, is Lupton fleshing out his background and why he's so power hungry and establishing the link uh, with Metabilis 3 and and basically Lupton and his spider um, hatching a plan to effectively betray the council. Yeah, the spider council and and all of that. So there's, it's machinations. It's kind of like if, if for anybody who's ever watched um, Game of Thrones, there the were certain episodes that were just sort of political machinations where they were laying the seeds for, for things that had happened in an episode mm-hmm. or two's time. And this is a bit of one of them. You know, Tommy nicks the crystal. That's, um, you know, that that's a, a fairly big development. In the grand, yes, sort of in the grand scheme of things, because that that then shapes all the action. Effectively, shapes all the actions uh, to come. Really, uh, I'm just scanning through my notes as I, as I sort of read this, and it's yeah. There's a lot of Lupton's bits and pieces because the doctor's now at the monastery and wants to see him, but he's refusing to do it. Um, there's a bit of a power struggle between Lupton and the Spider, uh, which was quite interesting. It did get it did bug the piss out of me though that when they do because they do finally get to Metabilis, I can't remember if it's this episode or the next one. Sarah Jane arrives at Metabilis here, doesn't she? For for certain. Uh I think so, yeah. Yes. Um but they keep calling human the humanoids are two legs and the spiders are eight legs, which yes is all, all factual, but for fuck's sake, does it get annoying? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I suppose we find out later on why the spiders uh, the spiders refer to the humans as two legs, almost in a a, a spiteful way, almost like it's a derogatory term. But yes. they don't like being called spiders. Yeah, I don't know if they see that as a racist term. Is it outdated to call a spider a spider? I don't know. But well, they with like what the we learn about, with, what we, with what we learn about the background of, of Metabilis three. I think it's effectively they feel they've evolved beyond that of right. the spiders. Yes. Um, okay, there we go. But yeah, the Doctor's effectively planning to get to Metabilis 3 because Sarah's gone. She's yeah, she got zapped in there, didn't she? Yeah, Lupton's taken his cronies, done the done this little chant thing and gone with the spider back to Metabilis because they need the power boost. Uh, there's some glorious green screen. Sarah gets zapped onto the uh, gets zapped <laughs> onto Metabilis, which I absolutely adored. There was a really nice bit as well where the Doctor is talking to Yates and saying he'll use the TARDIS to get to Metabilis three. Is why the coordinate is why the coordinates in so he can definitely get there. And Yates says to him, "You speak as though it's alive," and he just goes, "He just sort of says, I do, don't I?" 
<laughs> yeah, that was good. That was that was fantastic. But yeah, we meet the the human the humanoids on on Metabolus three as well, we which do. is a, a thing. And there's a trial taking place for a guy who struck one of the spiders' guards. Um, yeah, Arak. Yes, the. I mean, I'll, I'll be straight out with you, Dan. It will surprise you, not in the slightest, that I have no idea who's anyone name who's anyone's name is it, it, on Metabolus. It took, it, it took all, a while. They're all interchangeable dudes to me, so I'm yeah. just going to call them like you know as I describe them. But the doctor arrives as this trial is taking place sees Sarah, and then we get, a, uh, I suppose, another thing that Pertwee probably wanted to you know, tick off his checklist. I want a couple of fight scenes. So we get a fight scene, and we get lots of Pertwee going, huh, hiya, wah, as he fights these uh, uh, humans on Metabilis before he's zapped by lightning out of the fingers, um, bends over, and literally sticks his arse in the air, and that's the end of part four. And we get a little death part. No, sorry, end of part three. Death fight. Yeah, end of part three. <laughs> yeah, death fight. Just put that in the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but so one thing annoyed me in this. So we've got to Metabilis. They're looking for Arak. Sabar has already said he'll take Arak's place. To Sabar's Arak's dad, um, and he's going to go to be eaten, basically because the spiders will wrap you in webs and then scoff you later. Um, Sarah Jane's been hidden by the locals. Because if the spiders see a human that they don't know, it'll be suspicious, she'll get taken in, blah de, blah de, blah. Sarah just completely fucks all of this by poking her face out the door. Yeah. In a tiny little square. Yeah, she doesn't harp herself, does she? No. This is but a trait with, one of those... um sorry, this is a trait with Doctor Who companions. Yes, when they, when they need to be that way, isn't it? Uh, Joe Grant, especially, w- was somebody who would portray being a bit of a dumbass on a regular basis. Sarah Jane does it on occasion, but apparently uh, the actress uh, herself complained about that. But there's the scenes so. of it going all the way back to the the black and white days. There's moments where I mean, well, you mention it quite often, Dan, don't you? When we've looked at Zoe as an example, she's supposed to be this crazy, super intelligent being on par with the Doctor. But when the script requires it, she's a dumb fuck. Yeah. Which you know, speaking as someone of, of moderately high intelligence, I am prone to to some level of dumb fuckery. But I'd like to think not when my life's in danger. No. No. <laughs> when I've been zapped to an alien planet, you know. I was going to say, this is probably the strongest cliffhanger so far, because to all intents and purposes, we don't know if the Doctor's dead or alive at this point. Well, yeah, this is it. And I, I'm assuming that, well, I'm not assuming, I do kind of know, that it was known that the Doctor was leaving, John Pertwee was leaving it, after this serial. So it's that thing of, mm. okay, he's been zapped, he's dead, what's going on? Regeneration wasn't actually a thing until this story. The term regeneration was first used in this tale. And the mm. fact that it's not explained fully what happened from Hartnell into Triton and then Triton into Pertwee. Obviously, what happened on those episodes is explained. Like, oh, we will change your appearance by the Time Lords. But mm. what it is with regards to regeneration and and you know the, the ongoing brilliance of it that we get now in the program still to this day isn't really explained as to what it is and how it works and the whole Time Lord aspect of it until later on in this particular story. So the fact that the Doctor is zapped and looks dead, 
I would assume people watching week to week are going to be thinking, well, shit, is that it? And we do we just get another doctor or mm. is he going to be okay? Or is he dead and something's going to happen because he's an alien? Or, uh, even now going into part four in the story where the doctor regenerates people watching week to week probably wouldn't know what's going to happen with regards to the regeneration. I would assume this would have been a big deal. Yeah. Would have been yeah. a massive deal, but yeah, it was good. It was like I say for, for an episode that was more of a, a setup episode, if you like, which is a bit weird, three episodes into a, a serial. Uh, the, even if anybody had maybe potentially waned a little bit in interest, they've hooked them back in there. So they've, they've used a strong cliffhanger when they've needed one. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, the doctor is alive though, thankfully. And then he's took to a little hut by a couple of the humans on that, on Metabulus three. Lupton's chatting with the spiders in, in the big sort of conference oh, room. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Not before every bad, every, every evil character in that square is as dumb as Sarah Jane was made out of be because they need the plot needed it because we see Sarah Jane just run off. We think, oh well, she, you know, she's she's gone. And she's just stood in the crowd with a cloth over her head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like not even Master not even like, skies. Not even rows of people back. She's she's like behind two people. It's and so she's still poking cool. her head between them. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's oh. fantastically crap again, isn't it? I don't mind the villains being idiots mm. on occasion. <laughs> But, yeah, the doctor is still alive, isn't he? And he's, um, he needs a device. Yes, indeed. And it's in a old leather satchel in the TARDIS. And Sarah is going to go and fetch it for him. But she gets the key to the TARDIS. Off she goes. And she is caught by Lepton. And then just leaves this really important device, this machine in an old leather satchel, who's going to basically save the doctor's life in theory. Just leaves it kicking around the dusty square next to the TARDIS, doesn't she? Which also shows that Lupton is done when he needs to be. Mm, that's why they laid him he's, off, he's, he's, he's caught around. He's <laughs> caught there. But the spider's still attached to him, so the spider's dumb as well. Yeah, double dumb. Double dumb, double dumb, double dumb. That's what I was just going to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on Earth, we've got a lot of people wondering, where basically sat around wondering, where's Lupton? Bit more, a bit yeah. more casual Tommy abuse. Yeah, but Tommy now with the crystal, we start to see at the beginning of this episode, it the crystal starts to kind of help him. He's well, got. He looks he, into it, doesn't he? He looks into yeah, it. And we get, a, uh, we get like a back read, and forth. First of all, can he? Yeah, he, he can't read no. a a sign initially, can he? He struggles to read a do not disturb sign. So he yeah. t- t- unfair play. I love this bit because it's not just a case of oh, the crystal made him this, that, the other we get a moment where Tommy is just going, I, I, I couldn't read that sign properly. I need to read more of my books. So he takes himself yeah. back to his cupboard under the stairs and he's got some children's reading books, you know, the, the, the ones that you have at school that help you develop your reading ability and so on. And he's, he's almost cross or frustrated or fed up with himself that he couldn't read the sign on the door. So he's mm-hmm. going to go and practice some more. So I love that because for the character of Tommy, it's not just a case of, Oh, the crystal made you this, that, the other. He was already trying himself, which I think is lovely. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and probably more than you'd expect from 
a 70s TV series and certainly from how we've seen from what we've seen in this of how they treated Tommy so far effectively yeah. the crystal has helped him do what he wanted to do um, which is a good thing the bad th- the bad part of it is which is just an effects thing was it was like Kevin Dunn had decided to do the the bits where the bit where the crystal sort of takes effect because it's just rapid cuts between Tommy and the crystal and it's very jarring yeah it is it reminded me of when we had the fucking the bullshit on. I think it was like the three doctors when they mm, had to like contact. make that mental yeah, contact and it's going to do, do, do between them all. It's like, oh, come on, that's bollocks, man. You know, I don't like that yeah. at all. Yeah. And again, there's just these two stories running parallel, which we've seen a lot of in Doctor Who, but this, this is another one that feels where the timelines feel like they're running concurrently. It doesn't, there wasn't any real pacing issues between the two. And mm, yeah. they didn't let one story linger around too long. Apart from maybe the chase scene, but that was fun, so it's fine. And that that was a moment where the two stories were together. But um Lupton has has got to the spiders and he's there sitting on the Queen's throne, and we find out the Queen is called Hua. Um and she's effectively the Queen's effectively refusing to speak to Lupton directly because he's just a tool. And it's just a bit of power struggle stuff, really. Mm, yeah. And it references, is, um, references to the great one. No, the great one. Um, that's the, the spiders keep saying that. By the way, I'm not just all being, praise to the great one. All praise to the great one. Um, the doctor gets made better by this machine. It zaps the end of his fingers because the the, the people who are looking after him in the hut go out and fetch it for him. Um, Sarah is now, a, you know, she she's a prisoner. She's in a cell. Uh, where the spiders are, you know, keeping people in. And there's an old dude in what looks like a silver sleeping bag. That's, um, yeah, that's Sabaru they took before. Right, okay, there we go. And he is, uh, you know, in theory, tied up in a load of cobwebs and and, and captive there, and they're going to probably get eaten and so on. Um, but this, again, uh, again, I love it because it's so brilliantly crap. The, the, mm. the, the, the cobwebs around, and Sarah gets tied up in a similar way. She gets wound into a web as well. It's just, it's just fabric, silver fabric that's made to look a bit tatty. It's brilliantly shit because it works when you're watching it and you let yourself sort of get um, a sort of suspension of disbelief and, and get engulfed in the story and the fact that it is old TV, but you try and overlook certain shortcomings. But then when you look at it realistically, it's like, it's a bit crap, isn't it? But I love it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a laugh. And I don't know why, but um, Saboran is very matter of factness. And he says it's because he's, he's calm because he's just got no hope left. He knows yeah. what's going to happen. He'd rather they just get on with it. It'll be right. Um, it felt very Monty Python for some reason. I'm sure there's a bit in um, there is Life of Brian. Yep, that's very like that. Yeah, either guy who's um, uh, he's either in a cell or being crucified next to him or something. He's been there for ages, and yeah, that exactly. I know exactly where you're yeah. getting at. I got the same vibes. Yeah. Yeah, it was good though. And then the, it, so you've got Arak, and, and the doctor's there. He's eating his breakfast, his, his mutton broth for breakfast. And we're getting a bit of the history of, of Metabilis and humans on there and the starship that crashed 400 years ago and all of that. And the other brother, to our, who is just a pain in the ass the whole episode, just keeps whinging about, we should attack, we should attack, we should attack. It's like you're looking to attack the, the telepathic telekinetic psychic electric spiders mm-hmm. but yeah 
you want to just do that with a few sticks, maybe a sword. Yeah, he's a knob. Not the brightest. No, he's an absolute bellend. But at the same time, something that made me laugh in this situation is the doctor is getting told by everyone in the room, you should go and rescue your friend. And the doctor's like, nah, I'll have him at breakfast first. It'll be fine. <laughs> he's not, he don't give a shit, does he? He's just like, no. Nope, he's, gather- he's gathering information because he's getting the tail. He knows about the crystal. And then he starts asking for pebbles. Yeah. This is funny because he's got this machine. He's scanning all the pebbles, and it's wow, wow. You know, it's oh, it's so funny. But he's looking for. I mean, effectively, we get told the spiders crash landed up in the mountains. There's lots mm. of the blue crystal up there. That's kind of what helps the spiders develop into how they are now. Um, the doctor is looking for another type of crystal or stone or pebble because it can't just be the blue crystal that has a power on this uh, this planet there must be something yeah. else that has a similar sort of vibe to it so he's looking for, and he does find some which is great um at this point lepton is took to the council and he's he's been having to explain his actions to this room of wobbly model spiders yeah 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 that's all going off um, again, it, it, it's a power play by Lupton. It's a bluff. Um, it's it's all right. It, Lupton does very well at being a slimy dickhead, and I think it, it, it's worth noting that it's even harder to do in, in that environment because he doesn't actually have anybody physically to bounce off of or to work with. Yeah. So to do that in a room full of plastic spiders mm-hmm. and still be that detestable is pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um the doctor is also captured here at the end of this episode, isn't he? And he is. And this is again, what I say about having a weak cliffhanger. Oh my word. Sarah Jane's in her, her spider web sleeping bag, talking to the old fella and saying, it's okay. The doctor will rescue me. Then the doctor walks in the room after going through the, the corridors and doing a lot more height and all that sort of martial arts yeah. stuff with, uh, with guards and that he's, um, he walks into the room. Sarah Jane's like, oh, brilliant. She's here to rescue me. And then there's a couple of guards with him and she just goes, oh, doctor. And then the music hits. And I sat there thinking, this is probably the shittest cliffhanger we've had on the podcast so far. <laughs> it's not a great one. It's not a great one. I did like the uh, when they have the fight and, and uh, looked and gets arrested, doesn't he? The doctor just he says, I hope you won't be too hard. I mean, just, uh, it must be off. And walks away, and then he, he does the like the Venusian judo or karate throw on the captain. Turns it turns into two more guards who've got the weapons. But I'm sure this is just getting monotonous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a great line, but yeah, it's it, all this was missing was Sarah Jane just looking at the camera, shaking her head, just to make it. Oh, fully, doctor, full what are you like? Yeah, <laughs> doctor. Oh, oh dear doctor. Me. My goodness, what a pickle we're in. All that sort of nonsense, isn't it? Um, part five begins, and the spiders are cross because the crystal is on Earth. But Lepton says he can fetch it for them, so he's kind of worked his way back into their goodwill. I think Dan, he's making himself useful. Yeah, but as okay. with a lot of the, as with a lot of these things, it. It's not classic Doctor Who if we don't have a bit of back and forth. Yes. As we saw last week, you know, between Moonbase and Earth and, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just one of those things. But yeah, Lupton's making himself useful. And again, much like last week, his, his reward is going to be continued servitude. But yeah. um, one thing I did like earlier is that the Doctor's now in a web and him and Sarah are just cracking jokes. 
<laughs> yes. like, no, he's just going, no, I know what a fly feels like. What a fascinating experience. Oh, we must be in the larder. And he says he's, he says that he's a tough old bird and Sarah Jane calls him an old boiler. Doctor says, <laughs> Doctor says they must be mulling over how to cook him and that'll give him something to chew over. And Sarah says something to really get the teeth into. And then it's just like some weird sort of manic laughter. Yeah. Um, there's something that made me laugh a little bit here as well. Well, two moments, really. I mean, before I get to them, uh, away from this scene, we'll come back to it in just a moment. Uh, the, the the humans are planning a rebellion against the spiders now. And yeah. they've got some stones in some old tights and a couple of old socks and that are tying around their head to yeah. apparently fight the spiders' powers away. That That's that's what the doctor was zapping with his machine. as going, whirr, and all that sort of stuff. Um the bit that really tickles me, though, is... Well, there's two. Uh, initially, we have the scene where Sarah Jane is being cut out of her spiderweb sleeping bag. And they're, they're just ripping Velcro to get her out. And it's fucking yeah, rubbish. It. And it's fucking brilliant. It's, it's Again, it's, yeah. it's rubbishly brilliant. It really is. I absolutely adored that. It was, it was so fun. So much fun. And the doctor's saying, you stall them. Get by them as much time as you can, and she says, I'll give them indigestion. Yeah, and the next bit then, the doctor decides, you know what? I've had enough of this spiderweb bullshit. I want to get out of here. So he decides to escape using a technique he was taught by Harry something, Harry this, Harry that. Hopkins, Hetherington, yeah. Hackenschmidt, in a wrestling yeah. nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he escapes by compressing his muscles, but effectively what he does is, is just wriggle eight and it's again yeah, it all he, looks a bit crap but it's brilliantly crap if that makes sense yeah yeah he does it but he, he had a great line to uh to sabar where sabar telling him it's pointless and he says as much as i love your stoic acceptance of the inevitable i would appreciate appreciate it if you'd shut up for them for a moment <laughs> yeah ah uh, um sarah jane has been took to go and talk with a spider though hasn't she She's talking with um, a very high up the spider, the queen. There we go. And the the, the spider is basically talking to her about some form of a trade or working together in in some description. Yeah, bargaining because the queen's p- uh, place on the council is a bit precarious mm. um, because of the way that because of the plans to conquer Earth and mm. uh, and you know what 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 is the will of the great one and, and what isn't the will of the great one and, and all of this stuff. So. She's trapped in a power struggle of her own. Lupton's causing problems. The Queen needs to bring the crystal back just to shut everybody up. Yes, indeed. Um, Back on Earth, Mike is offering to help with a seance to try and get contact with the planet again because obviously they're missing Lupton. They need somebody else. Mike has been at this monastery trying to, you know, get himself all straight and calm and whatever he's doing in places. He's been twatted in the back of the head by this point as well, bound and gagged. Ah, there we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, offering to help. So that's something they're going to do. Uh, Tommy, by this stage, is now reading very well and remembering lots of stuff that's gone on previously with regards to uh, who's gone down to the basement. And so he's piecing things together quite quickly now because this the crystals helped him, Dan, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, as yeah, he's, he's kind of coming to coming to grips with these increased cognitive faculties, shall we say. 
Well, that's what you can say. I, I wouldn't because I don't really know what it means. Um, so, I've got, I've got, yeah, I'm using big words like that, and I've just read a, read a line from a note here saying, Lupton's trying to sell the Spider Council on retrieving the crystal like the greasy old cunt he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, so, effectively, going for the crystal then, we've got Lupton heading back to try and get the crystal. We've got Sarah heading back to try and get the crystal to help the queen because that would mean that they can free the humans in a trade and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, and Tommy's Tommy got hiding the crystal in a first aid box. Yeah, underneath the stairs, but nobody knows that Tommy's got it. Uh, the seance is taking place to try and make contact with the planet and the doctor to see what's going on, but all they're really doing is allowing spoilers to invade via that seance. Mm. Um it's all kicking off a little bit now, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is where things are, sort of after episode three and a half of episode four is it's all starting to sp- really spring into life. One thing we didn't mention though is that Tommy nicked the crystal just off a windowsill. Yeah, it was like it was like he was doing a bit of gardening or something and just popped up and was like, "Just like, oh, I'm having that." Yeah. That's a bit pretty. Yeah, taking <laughs> yeah. that. That's going in my box yeah. under the stairs. Yeah, and and while all this is going on, the doctor's been lured away because he thinks he can hear Sarah Jane. And he can't. In in more glorious green screen, he's in a crystal chamber, uh, presented with the Great One herself. Yes. Who's now having to demonstrates her powers of mind control, and she can feel his fear. And he basically gets sent on a mission to retrieve the crystal for the Great One. So yet another person going after this crystal while the Tommy spiders are arriving on Earth. Tommy doesn't know what a world of shit he's in right now, does he? Let's be honest. No. He's in his little hut under the stairs with his little box of jewellery and crystals and his, his fucking jizz mags and, and whatever scattered around. And he's got no idea. He's got like the Doctor, he's got Sarah, he's got Monster Spiders, he's got Lepton, he's got a seance going on in the other room and he's just there going, this crystal's, this is some banging shit. I'm really enjoying this blue crystal. This is mine now. He's got and no idea really, what's going on, has he? Well, he's then going to go speak to Cho G, who's also telling him to, to speak to the abbot. And, and to get the crystal and bring it to him. Um, also, yeah. and this episode basically ends with uh, the big rescue from from Arak and Tuar, and all the villagers are there. The, the stones in the in the headbands are working. Sarah and the Doctor are back in the village because Sarah can now teleport. Uh, mm. They get in the TARDIS. All of um, Lupton's cronies have all got spiders on them. They're starting to fight in the. Um, uh, in the monastery, at this point, we find out that Tommy can tank a, uh, a Palpatine, a Palpatine electric finger. That sounded wrong. He <laughs> um, <laughs> can tank a blast of the electricity, <laughs> um, and he's helping Sarah Jane and, and the Doctor as they've just arrived. Yeah, it's it's pretty. All of that is pretty big, and in it. It takes a, a little bit of time to get through as well. Yeah, it does. Um, the, the guys who are Lepton's kind of aides, the guys who are doing the uh, seances with him, who the spiders take over here, mm. they're an odd-looking collection of people, aren't they? But much like Lupton, they all look like divorced middle-aged men who, who are trying to come to terms with the fact that the wives are coming back to them. Yeah, they all just, I mean, they're all wearing the standard greens and browns that you get in the 70s for certain characters, I suppose. And, and the haircuts are pretty insane. Ooh. Let's be honest. 
Yes. It's yeah, not. They're, uh, they are time accurate, <laughs> mm. which is the nicest thing I can say about them. Which at this point as well, at the end of the show, we, at the end of this episode, we meet the abbot, the actual abbot of the monastery, this old fella in the chair, um, who wants to hear the doctor's, um, you know, the doctor's story, but the doctor's saying he uh, thinks he, he thinks he knows most of it. And, and sort of recognises him and the other outright says the recognition of friends is not always easy and we start you know we get more of the story and all the all the tell while this is going on Tommy's out the front being confronted by the four spider twats um, who are Lupton's cronies and he's basically just absolutely tanking it all just taking the just taking the hits and still swinging yeah it's <sighs> It's a bit of a sad end, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't die at this moment, but you're kind of looking at Tommy and you're thinking, oh, mate, you're a bit like one you can chew there because there's, there's four of them at him. Do you know what I mean? He's in peril, but he's not. He's, he's still fighting. He's not going down. Mm. And you can see you can see the resistance in him and the fight and all of the rest. Um, so, yeah, if anything, we end on a note for on a note of peril for Tommy, who's... Who's the one character nobody could watch? Nobody could watch this and want Tommy to get hurt. No. So no. You, you're looking at a new character. You, you know, he's only five episodes in, um, you know, into his run, but you're there thinking, "Oh, not Tommy!" After all, he's been through, poor lad. Yeah. Also, one of the guys who's doing the zapping, one of the four that has stood there with the bad haircuts and the, and the terrible clothes and whatnot. I could have sworn, I mean, it's not because I looked it out to double check, but I could have sworn the one that, you know, when they're stood in a line, the four of them, you've got the one with the tash who's on the right-hand side nearest the camera, I suppose. Yeah. I could have sworn that dude was the guy who played Cassandra's mum. Sorry, Cassandra's dad, not mum. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> show. Cassandra's dad in Only Fools and Horses. Turns out it's not. Uh, um, yeah. But it looks a lot like him, doesn't it? Yeah, it didn't know you mentioned it. I was, I was trying to think where I'd seen him, you know, where I thought I'd seen him before. Well, where we've seen him before, the actor there who played that guy, we saw him in a Peter Davidson story that we covered last season. Ah, okay. That'll be where I'm thinking of then. Yeah, but he's not in Only Fours and Horses, so I was completely wrong. But anyway, um, it turns out, as, as we begin part six then, Tommy's getting zapped and all this is kicking off and whatnot. Uh, the old dude, the monk in the loft that the doctor and Sarah are gone to visit, he has the crystal. Yes. So that's convenient. Yeah, well, they said before that Tommy was going to take it to him. Yeah, that's true. Um, we get oh, this again is a weird way of doing things because we get the, the extended recap of what happened in part five at the beginning of part six. Ah, then we get some yes. new footage. And then we get another recap of what happened in part five, a few minutes into part six. It was almost like they didn't want to show us what was going on in the other room at the end of part five until now. But it made I it seem quite like disappointed. Okay. No, I actually quite like this because I'm, I'm sort of a bugger for this kind of storytelling where we're shown one point of view mm-hmm. and we're shown one story, but I love it when a, when a thing goes back and shows you it from a different angle. Okay, yeah. So that we can see how people got to where they got to. This isn't the best example of it, but I appreciate the effort from it. You know, when you've got, yeah. we see uh, we see Barnes and, and all his cronies trying to plan, and I think there's one called Moss who tries to leave, but the spider brain blasts him. 
and one of them then they all they can all see the um see the crystal so they follow the vibration so that explains how they found them in the first place it fills in a gap and then we split that that's followed by the doctor telling the abbot about the spiders wanting the crystal but they can't have it or it'll take over the over the earth or even the universe itself that's when we find out the abbot's got the crystal so that's filled in bits with tommy yeah and now we're getting the new stuff with the the with sarah demanding the crystal in the queen's voice and all the stuff that happens with um, you know, with the Doctor having Sarah overpower the Queen. Um, and we get a bit more of the fight and all, you know, the Kevin Dunn cuts as Sarah struggles for her freedom. So I, I liked it. It was, yeah, a good okay. way to, it, was a good, it was a good way to recap while flecking things out. Yeah. Okay, I, like I, to, I would like to see more of that in Classico. My standpoint is, I mean, first of all, yeah, okay, I, I totally get your, I totally get your point of view. That's, you made that point really well, but the reveal of Sarah stood there, zapping the lightning out of her fingers, and then the spider appears on her back. If that was where the music hit at the end of part five, surely that's a better cliffhanger. Potentially, yeah. It just yeah, seems weird they didn't yeah, use that. that. It, it feels like a timing thing. I okay. think that if if you know if they have that on, yes, it's maybe only an extra thirty seconds. But thirty seconds in television, when you're only working with twenty to twenty five minutes, is a long time. Mm. Yeah, I think I compromise. I think a compromise had to be made where we need to we need it to end at a point that's a, a decent cliffhanger. But then we need to do the recap. But we need this in the story. How are we going to fit it together? Tommy's a character people aren't going to want to see hurt. So let's put him in danger. And then let's split this in here and here and here. Mm. I feel like okay. it may have been a bit of a compromise, but it was one that, that that worked for me. I can see why it's frustrating in that a potentially massive cliffhanger has been sort of shoved in the first four minutes of, of the final episode of the serial. But it feels like something that was maybe necessary because they're already using like the teleporting to get characters around and and you know and shaving time off the storytelling there. And they needed to build the stuff with the Doctor and the Abbot. So they had to have those little interactions in. I think it was just something had to give, time-wise. Yeah, okay. No, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I suppose the best thing, because we need to talk about the end of this episode, don't we? That's the main point we're getting at here, isn't it? The main the main issue with this, the, the biggest part of this story, so to speak. Uh if we sort of scan through quickly and then come back to the important bits, we kind of have the the, the monk is effectively a, a time lord, and he's was the doctor's teacher at some stage. He explains that for, yes. for everyone listening. Yeah, um, that, that comes full circle with what the doctor was saying earlier on about um, yeah, yeah, about in the mountains. Yeah, so that's nice and to find out that Choji is is actually just a projection of his mind. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, mate. That was all a bit wanky yeah. for me. It says a lot about his mind if that's what if, if he's putting Shoji out into the world. What that he's fucking racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um he's a time lord, as we mentioned, and he talks about he regenerated. And this is the first time I think that we're actually talking about the ter- you know, using the term regeneration. We're talking mm-hmm. about what the time lords do and so on. Um, um, 
the old dude says, oh, the moment approaches. With regards to talking about himself or the Doctor, we're not 100% sure. It is himself. It is that little wink at the Doctor almost in, in a way. Mm. Um, in this process, uh, Mike outside Mike Yates is outside the front of the door. He tries to help Tommy and gets zapped. And this is the uh, is this the last time we see Mike, or does he uh, come back later on? Ooh, let me think. I think it might be, you know. Right, so Mike's dead. Last time we see him, it's Sarah Sarah Jane's like holding. Oh, the Abbott heals him. Okay, right, right. Mike's not dead. I'll cut that up. I'll, I'll tell you that up and edit it. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> uh, the old monk gets shot. The doctor goes to the TARDIS with the crystal back to the planet to go give it to the uh, to the spiders or whatever he feels he has to the do. The great one. The great one. There we go. Um, yeah. The doctor heads to the cave with all the crystals and so on. But he does the, this knowing. Sorry, he does this knowing that the the cave of crystals' power will kill him, which he's already been threatened with that. If he goes beyond a certain point, yes. the resonance of the crystal will essentially just. Um, what's the word? It'll, it'll basically just fuck up every cell in his body. Mm. And that's, when they said every cell, in, when they said every cell in his body, it made me think of the of this line that we get quite often in Doctor Who now, where every single cell in his body dies, and all this, you know, with regards to regeneration. So I was thinking, oh, hello, this is starting early, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it was a nice little touch. Um, yeah. uh, sorry, I mean, you know, the, the stuff we've had since is a nice little touch, you know, based on based on all that. But basically, what what the great ones done is build a build out of the crystals a positive feedback circuit, and is trying to increase a power infinitely to take over the universe which is what we'd all do in that scenario let's be honest but you know we all know how to build a positive feedback circuit um it's just we don't do it because we're not idiots like this big fuck off spider and there's a lack of blue crystals in gloucester to be fair yeah you've only got cheese uh, I'll, I'll build one out of cheese it just needs to be a chilly day so it doesn't melt onto my head um we need stream and then i'd struggle not take a bite out of it every now and again yeah, this is true. I just fuck up my own design because I'll be eating it. Uh, um, a bit of a swerve. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a metaphor for my life. <laughs> bit of a swerve here. The villagers take the doctor to the spiders instead of towards the cave because they're now working with the spiders, I think. They've been taken over by the spiders. Ah, uh, okay, right. Uh, in the meantime, the old monk regenerates and he now looks like the young monk, which was a projection of his own mind. So he's been imagining a young guy and now he's dead. He's made himself look like the young guy. So probably all a bit vain from this monk, Can to be fair. Confirming uh, that the abbot is in fact a racist. Yeah. Yeah. Bad abbot. Not a good abbot. Um, the, the, in, in the great cave of crystal, uh, the 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 great one appears, and this is a fucking massive spider. This is the biggest spider of all, and this perfect crystal, as it's now been referred to as, that the Doctor has, is going to complete the great crystal web and enable the great one to, you know, use this this construction of hers to take over, you know, the universe, the world, whatever it is that they're planning on doing. Yeah, but in we get this a lot in Who. The Doctor starts warning that it's a bad idea because there'll be too much power for you to deal with. 
And then the bad guy kind of goes, no, it's going to be fine. I'm amazing. I can do this. Don't worry about me. And the doctor's, oh, no, I don't want you to hurt yourself. It's a really bad idea. I think it through. And the, the, the bad guy's like, oh, no, I'm great. I'm going to rule everything. I'm amazing. And it is too much power. And it, it fucking just kills all the spiders. That happens quite yeah. a bit in here, I feel, that the, 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 the bad guy's motivation, the, um, the evil people's uh, aim is ultimately their undoing. Did you know what I mean? Yeah, um, hoisted by their own petard, I believe is the uh, the phrase. Um, okay. Yeah, I think with the spiders, they've established a whole sort of psychic connection and mind reading and all of that, so it kind of makes sense that they'd all be connected in some way. And, and you know, the spiders, so webs, yada yada, easy sort of metaphor there. Um, you know, the great the great one is obviously part of some form of level of hive mind. And the oh, maybe just without the crystals, the spiders just can't live. They need them. It's the, essentially the life force. But the whole mountain caves in. Yes. And I thought that looked pretty good for the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But again, also, again, the whole time the doctor's in the chamber, superb green to green. Yes, again, indeed. Just, it's a hallmark of this, this whole thing. I just love it all. But yeah, decent effects on the mountains collapsing and that's that's that and, and then we're back in unit we are uh but this is three weeks later we find out mm-hmm. they don't know where the doctor is sarah has popped to unit to sort of wander about and reminisce potentially she's gathering up or tidying up a few of the doctor's things she's uh, she's halfway between hope and grief mm, yeah i feel like she, she's sort of lost a little bit i feel like the brigadier is as well He's taking a bit more of a pragmatic view of his, you know, once didn't see him for months, and when he came back, he had a new face. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of a new face, the TARDIS arrives. The Doctor mm. falls out of the TARDIS here in a very similar way to the way Pertwee fell out of the TARDIS in his very first episode, which I thought was a lovely little touch. Yes. Yeah. I just, I've actually seen the first episode of Spearhead from Space. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was. it felt like very much like going full circle. Yeah, I love that. That was great. He explains that, the Doctor this is, he explains that they were lost in the time vortex for that period of time mm-hmm. and effectively crashes down on the deck and he's he's going to die, it looks like. And in mm-hmm. my head, the Doctor lies down. He's going to die. He says the famous line that we now repeat at the beginning of this show every single week as part of our intro music, um, a tear, Sarah Jane. The Doctor regenerates, everyone's happy, he has a jelly baby, and that's where it ends. That's what happens in my mind. In reality, nope. fucking racist monk turns up and fucking ruins the old damn thing. <laughs> yeah. So we get the whole dramatic thing where he wipes the tear away from Sarah Jane and to Sarah Jane. No, don't cry. While there's life, there's... And he dies. And then... So this, this is the character formerly known as Choji, who was actually... The abbot's name was Campo. Right. Um, and he explains that the Doctor's not dead, apologises for startling them. Sarah introduces him to the Brigadier all casually. And basically Campo's there to explain red regeneration again. Mm. And saying he'll look completely different and it may shake up the brain cells. And he's there just to sort of give him a helping hand. And start, off and then start the process. Oh, he talks just... His, his it's voice. the accent... His voice makes me want to punch the dude. It really, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, just fuck off, man. 
It just it doesn't need the monk. You don't need the monk. Let the doctor regenerate. It's a brilliant moment. It's a moment that's been rewatched time. I mean, Charlie hasn't seen barely any of Classic Who, but she still watches the YouTube video of all the regenerations probably mm. at least three times a week. She has seen this scene so many times. And there's this fucking racist monk just sat cross-legged going, I'll give it a little push. Fuck off. There's no need for it. It really is. Sorry, it's just amused me how animated you're getting up about it, but you're right. It's just right. bollocks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but it ends with the Brigadier and Sarah Jane watching the Doctor's face change. We get our first sight of Tom Baker. Yes. And we get the Brigadier taking a swallow and going, well, gulp, here we go again. Yeah, I like that. That was lovely. Yeah. yeah I've, I've I, thought, I think... Tom Baker's uncredited, I think. And normally the Doctor, in future regenerations in Classic Who and New Who, I'm fairly certain gets a mention in the cast. But well, like introducing and you know Tom Baker, whatever. I'm pretty certain Tom uh, Tom Baker's not got a credit for this episode. Uh, he's not on the cast list that I'm looking at. Yeah, okay. Not a big yeah, deal. I'm so. just saying no. it's just... Obviously, going forward, I know that's, that's different, that's all. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? it? You know, he's there now, and everybody's looking forward to the uh, to the next series. Mm. Yeah, there we go. So that was the planet of the spiders. That was the end of Pertwee. Mike is yep. gone. Um, we do see the Brigadier. Uh, Sarah Jane obviously hangs around for quite a while. We do see the Brigadier again a few more times, um, which Benton pops up a few more times as well. But primarily, Unit is. It, for going from a, the, the base of the doctor for every episode for so long, this is kind of moving on from that now in, in more ways than just changing the doctor. Um, first of all, Dan, before we get into our thoughts on the, the story as a whole, mm. just the regeneration as a snippet. What did you think? Everything apart from Campo arriving was really good. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's dramatically done. It's well acted from Sarah Jane, the, the Brigadier, and and the Doctor. You know, the Doctor's finally facing his fear. He, you know, he's he doesn't want anybody to worry because he's going to live on, just as a you know, essentially a different person. The Brigadier's doing the very stiff upper, stiff upper lip British thing, and and Sarah's reacting how anybody would. Mm. You know, when they see a see a loved one in 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 that kind of pain. It, you, you were right about getting so animated. It is a real turd in the punch bowl. Is is Camper and it? I'm not one to want things edited for for no reason. Yeah, and I, like I understand the rewriting that. of stuff. I suppose. Yeah, the rewriting of it, and, and I'm not one to. I think I think it's important to learn from the mistakes of history. And you can't learn from those mistakes if you don't face up to them. Yes. But I would love to see a cut of this regeneration. Just cut, just cut the Campo stuff out. Have Sarah Jane close his eyes, as she does, and then have the Doctor's face change. Mm-hmm. And then just say, well, here we go again. Yeah. I mean, if I have... I feel, the, I, 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 sorry, go on. If I had the ability to edit video to that level. I mean, I, I imagine I could probably have a go at it, but I wouldn't be r- r- superb or anything like that. It's probably but, already been done. 
Yeah, most likely, most. Likely. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust myself either. I'd fuck about with with too much shit. If I like that, when when Sarah Jane turns around, if, if you've just got the audio and Sarah Jane turns around and goes, "Look, Brigadier, it's starting." I'd have to cut the Brigadier to go in. Well, they did say thirty minutes on the advert, Sarah Jane, and then cut to like a Viagra <laughs> advert or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would ruin it far too much. But yeah, I completely agree. The whole racist monk stuff is just bollocks. But the <sighs> I almost like the the effect of Pertwee's face changing to Baker's face is so simple, especially mm-hmm. in comparison to nowadays where we get all the razzmatazz, the TARDIS is normally blowing up and the fireworks and the shooting of the flames and the color and all this sort of stuff. It's literally just a done. Mm. And I kind of like that it's almost simplicity. humbleness to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, every, to this point, we've had two regenerations we've this is the first time we've actually seen the face change in front of us and and we're left wondering after Troughton that it, 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 there was just lots of versions of his face being swirled around each other mm. so at this point every regenera- every regeneration's been different and you you're left wondering well what about the next one yes and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that at this point they've not established that a time lord has 13 lives i don't think no, no, no. One of the cattle gun because this is the first episode mentioning about regeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the minute, it, there's so many questions and it's so exciting that I can imagine at the time it was it was massive. It, you know, there were so much, so much rife for speculation and then having to wait all that time for the new one to come out. It, it must have been great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I imagine it would have been fantastic. Um, the story, serial... Uh, the the, you know, the six parter in itself. Then, what are your what are your final thoughts on that? Yeah, um, we've mentioned enough about the ropey bits, so I'm not going to tread over those again. They are of their time. Um, they at least tried to make narrative sense of certain bits, and Tommy got a a, a degree of, of of payback, if you like. Yeah. Um, you know, by being able to protect people and stand up to his stand up to his bullies, uh, that was good. Um, but this this whole thing is the perfect is is I say perfect. It's a really good melting pot of entertaining but shit, as I said before. I love the green screen effects. The the spiders are crap villains, and, and not really good villains to end on for Pertwee, but they're crap enough to be entertaining. I thought it did a good well of uh, I thought it did a good well. I thought it did, it did a good job of combining the two stories because, as you said, it felt like it they were coming from very different angles and there were ideas that were put together just to get them on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very well paced and enjoyable. I think it's the thing with six parties. I just a lot of them just tend to go on a bit too long for me. Yeah, a hundred percent. And maybe I need to adjust how I watch them. Maybe I need to do three lots of two episodes rather than two lots of three like I've been doing. But this held my attention very well. It, it did a lot. There was always a lot going on. It never lingered in one place too long. Um, very enjoyable. I've, I've actually got it a little bit above um, Seeds of Death. because um, I'd, I'd I think I give Seeds of Death a, a 6 or a 6.5 last week. Um, this gets a 7. If it had a better villain and less of the ropey stuff, it would have been even higher. I very much enjoyed it. 
Ah, interesting. I'm if I'm if we're making a direct comparison to the scenes of death, I've got it the other way around. I much prefer the scenes of death to this. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I agree with you in regards to the six parters. There are moments where it drags. Let's be honest. I think you could even write this in a way that doesn't even need to go to the planet because the spiders are a great bad guy on their own without the stuff going on elsewhere. But that's just me, you know, fantasy booking, nitpicking, whatever. Yeah. It's a good story. I'm glad I watched it and watching it through. I didn't at once. I didn't at all once feel like I need to turn this off and come back another time. I watched it in one hit, which was how I normally do this. Mm. It was good enough for that. The regeneration is obviously iconic, but yeah. I probably don't think I would rush back and watch it again. No, I wouldn't rush back and watch it again, but I would watch this before I watch Seeds of Death again. But that's just me, as I say. Oh, and again, I think I think Seeds of Death, I do need to give another another go down the line and give a bit of a fairer shape to, because as I say, I think with, when we're doing the six parts, I think I just need to plan better and, and start doing three lots of two episodes. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. So before we depart, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are going to the very first Christopher Eccleston episode, and we're going to cover Rose that was given to us by uh, by our good mate Marty. And I forgot to mention uh, that uh, Planet of the Spiders was given to us by uh, by UTT Rob, my partner in podcasting, Peace Henry over at uh, Unbooking the Territory. Fantastic stuff, mate. Fantastic. I Rose as well. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to covering this because I watched Classic Who when it was on TV mm-hmm. and then watched loads of Classic Who whilst it was off air. So when it came back, I approached this as a, from an excited standpoint of I watched this when I was a kid. And then there's certain moments in this episode where the nostalgia really hits me. And I'm, I'm basically I'm looking forward to, as we talk about it, pointing out moments that got me excited on my sofa watching it back for the first time well not back for the first time watching it air yeah. for the first time i'm really looking forward to having that conversation with you but again it's in its own way very iconic because it kicks off the whole relaunch doesn't it so yeah i'm, I'm yeah, looking forward to it mate. We, we've covered survival on the show which was the last episode of of classic who we've covered the movie and, and now we're covering the first episode of of the new era it's going to be fun it's it's going to be fun watching it and revisiting some of my thoughts as well that i had at the time because I yeah. was coming, for, I was coming from it from obviously only having seen the movie, and maybe the odd ah. snippet here and there. So, it's, yeah, it'll be. Um, let's just say I think we're going to have um, some different opinions. Quite a different conversation reviewing that, I think, to our normal yeah. format. But yeah, I'm, oh, good. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be interesting. Uh, on that note, then, before we leave, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find your good self and all the brilliant shows you are involved in online? Yeah, I'm over on that there Twitter at DanGriffin21. And if you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, I'm on the aforementioned Unbooking the Territory with UTT Rob, uh, talking about the first and last of professional wrestling. We have a number of side projects out there. Uh, the one that's dropping at the minute is Unstacking Daditory, where we're looking at all the surviving matches of Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks on the road to Wembley 1981, when 18 million people watch them face off. And I'm also on SJP World Media over on the volley with my strike partners, the magnificent Matt Lewis and Connor from Connor Knows Footy, 
where we are providing alternate Premier League commentary and do have lots of plans for uh, side podcasts and stuff like that. It's just finding the time of day when we're all available. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, anything I'm involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. So that's at SJP World Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, Spotify, iTunes, all bloody everywhere basically and we've got so much content i only i can't list it all because there's so much we've got music podcasts we've got uh football shows that dan is involved in of course we've got stuff covering quantum leap we've got plenty of wrestling content by loads of different creators loads of different hosts so make sure you're checking out everything on sjp world media most importantly as well make sure you are chucking us a like a follow a subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts and your live streaming shows it makes a huge difference to us uh just for the sake of you clicking a button and i think Think we're fucking worth it because we're bloody brilliant but there we go uh most importantly though you can find and follow this show itself on facebook and twitter at the doctor who pod that's at the d-r-w-h-o-p-o-d at the doctor who pod ah uh, i'm glad that six part is over dan and i'm glad that we're already talking about rose in in a from a, almost two different viewpoints from two different doctor who fans who experienced it in different ways i guess Yep, yeah, getting insight into the mind of a 16-year-old Dan watching Doctor, full proper Doctor Who for the first time. What uh, could when, go wrong? When did it air? 2005? Yep. And you were 16? Yep. Fuck me, I was like 24. 37. You fucking... Cr- oh, all right, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm off. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. You old fuck. the end but the moment has been prepared for I don't want to go that was a nice nap now down to business <laughs>